What's up, Team Female? Welcome to Female Political Strategy, Female First, Female Forward, Politically Non-Binary. I'm Ro. I'm Lilith. And I'm Elle. This week, we have another rant episode, but this time... We're going in. <laughs> what are we talking about this week? And we're talking about this Marie... Something I've decided to... Um, that reminds me of Marie Antoinette. Quick buffer, if you completely miss out on the key French Revolution moment where Marie Antoinette was allegedly quoted to have said, wait, they can't afford bread, you know, because people are poor and shit. She was like, well, why don't they just eat cake? Of course, it's probably not what happened, but the myth around it kind of grew larger than exactly what she said. But in today's world, right now as we're recording, there is a huge financial crisis mixed in with the brink of like nuclear war. Gas is about like $5 or $6 in some places. And things are just pretty hectic. People are still dying from COVID, but we don't talk about that anymore. Yeah, whatever happened to that whole thing? <laughs> Didn't China just go into lockdown again? Like Again? Yeah, I just read that. I was like, aren't they? Uh, seems like it might be back over there. We need to insert a clip of Mariah Carey saying, I don't know her. Miss right. <laughs> <laughs> Rona's last year's news. Jennifer COVID, never heard of her. Um, so there's a clip circulating around that'll be included in the show notes of Kim Kardashian yelling about how people just don't want to work these days. By the way, unemployment numbers are in record highs because our government literally shut down the economy for the better half, the better part of 2020, most of 2021 going on to 2022. And economic ramifications, as we know, have like a ripple effect. They keep continuing, which leads to, unfortunately, record high unemployment numbers to include like soaring rates of mental health illnesses, broken families, broken marriages, just systematic uh, systemic chaos across the board. And I don't even like the word systemic, but it is visible to everybody. Yeah, drug addiction and homelessness being some of the biggest indicators that all of the even there's a lot of cities right now that are trying to reevaluate their homeless plans. And I think I just saw this on AP News uh, this morning because it's getting really, really bad. There's just like scores of people who can't afford housing. And then also, even if they could afford housing, they're either drug addicted or have some kind of you know mental illness of despair such that they can't be functional employees or members of society. Yeah. And a a lot of them lost access to care. A lot of facilities were shut down. So it's just, it it was endemic. It was awful. And then um, you had the likes of our patron saint of awfulness, Kim Kardashian, who is famous for God knows what, that she's even self-aware of. Who Beyonce once shaded subtly and indirectly shaded by calling her a do-nothing bitch. Well, good God. And anyways, her... She had the audacity to yell at society about people, quote, not wanting to work anymore. Can I read the actual quote from Variety Magazine? She had an interview with Variety Magazine. The quote here is, I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. Nice Kim K voice. Nobody was. And so what I loved is all the people that used to work for Kim Kardashian just clowning her and just being like, I worked... X amount of unpaid hours for Kim Kardashian, or I worked like 80 hour work weeks for Kim Kardashian, you know? So, um, yeah, fuck her. That's like a horrible thing to say and also inaccurate. It was a former employee of hers, um, that responded to her comment about nobody wants to work these days and for women to quote, (laughs) get, (laughs) get in business. Okay. Get your fucking ass up and work. So Jennifer Apps, part of her launch team said, I worked hard as part of the official Kim Kardashian apps launch team day, nights, weekends, whenever and wherever I was needed. My entry level salary was barely enough to scrape by in Los Angeles. 
I worked hard to bring in extra income by freelancing on the side. A clause in my contract limited my opportunities to take on work outside of the company. If immense wealth is needed, the product of hard work, as Captain Kardashian claims, it is the hard work of lower level employees who struggle to make ends meet while their employers reap the rewards. So... Let's um, contextualize Kim Kardashian for some people who may or may not be aware of her origin story. Kim Kardashian, her claim to fame was a videotape, a documentary of sorts, if you will. A sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> if you can so call it that. Yeah, it was, it was a documentary of Kim Kardashian and her sexual encounter with a R&B star, Ray J, who's more famous than her at the time. Sorry, who's Ray J? I don't have no idea who this person is. Oh my god, I'm embarrassed. <sighs> He's Brandy's little brother. Brandy the singer. Oh. I know who Brandy is, yeah. Yeah, so Brandy has a little brother who has a much lesser singing career and is much less respected and much less well-liked and uh, also is a reality TV uh, show. But he's had a, he had a couple of pretty good moderate R&B hits in the early and mid 2000s. The biggest one being Sexy Can I, right? Oh yeah, Sexy Can I. I liked um this shit is bananas and you like getting fruit whatever. So anyways. <laughs> so yeah. So like he he did that and then uh so there's an R&B star getting like head and I just thought to myself, "Kim Kim, if you're listening for some reason, a blowjob is not a real job. Like you're aware of that, right?" <laughs> Jobs are real jobs. Sex work is work. No, I'm kidding. There's a lot of people who would disagree, but yeah, no, I agree. Um, it shouldn't. <laughs> we shouldn't normalize the idea that we have to do it for work. That it should be something we do because we want to, not a job. You know? Yeah. And you know, in light of everything that's going on, and then we had that moment where, when COVID first hit, just to kind of like encapsulate this Marie Antoinette approach to all of it. Do you guys remember when all of the celebrities got together and decided what we needed was like a sing along where they were like singing to us from their mansion? What was it? Imagine. Yeah, I hated that so much. Yeah, that was just like mental illness and narcissism on display i was like whoever came up with this is really really out of touch is clueless singing from their singing imagine from their mansions being like we'll get this through together you plebs <laughs> and it was all like celebrities nobody really likes which is also why it became off extra weird it's like they're not necessarily dislikes the celebrities but they don't have like a stand base right they were like a minus b plus celebrities like i don't really care what gal gadot thinks about anything you know what I mean? So when she came out singing it, it was like, why do we care? Yeah, that's exactly the only person I could remember. <laughs> you know, she's an okay actress and she obviously was Wonder Woman, but she doesn't have like a stand base, like a, a dedicated fan base that would make sense for her to be doing this for. Yeah. And it was just so out of touch. And then... Um, do you remember that clip of that woman who was like, Putin, I'm sorry I wasn't your mother. Yo, God. Oh, no. Yeah. The Putin poem? Oh, my God. The Putin... Okay. Uh, can we frame the Putin poem for people that may not be tracking the Putin poem? Oh, the Putin poem? Lilith. <laughs> I couldn't get past the first, like, 20 seconds, honestly. The narcissism was just off the fucking charts. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you just have like, it's becoming increasingly clear that it, and this is a lot for me to say as someone who believes in like the bootstrap legend myth, I, it's, it's sort of becoming a myth now. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
where I'm like, you know, me, myself, I worked hard. Um, my mom worked hard and I grew up in a very difficult environment and I used those opportunities and not realizing that it takes a lot to make the system work. Like everybody actually has to do their part. Like they're, and you can't have condescension and just telling them at the bottom, Hey, poors, get it together. Like, <laughs> why don't you want to work? Oh my God. Kim, people are dying. <laughs> people are dying. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. This is the same Kim who lost a diamond earring in the ocean in like the Maldives and was like crying about it. That ugly face meme that she has. God, we need to insert that link. And who is it? Her sister, the more sane one that's marrying Machine Gun Kelly. The one with the bob. Um, the one that's like been sucking face with Travis Barker everywhere. Courtney. Yeah. I can't tell the two dudes apart or Courtney. So, and it's funny because there was a whole rift. I don't really watch. I try my best to not watch the show, but it's all over Twitter whenever they do something completely ridiculous. So there was a scene where Kim and Courtney got in a massive fight because Courtney wanted to focus on being a mom and Kim thought Courtney wasn't working hard enough. So when, uh, the entire, the entire visual behind Kim being like, people don't want to work. And then Courtney being like, I agree was kind of ironic considering their biggest rift as sisters is the fact that Kim thought Courtney wasn't doing enough to build their brand, which was, I'm like, was this actually just a passive aggressive dig at her sister that the rest of social media blew up? I think Kim thinks she works hard. I, I genuinely believe that she thinks she worked hard and her last name had nothing to do with it. Her momager had nothing to do with it. That's what all successful people think. They genuinely, at least that's what they tell themselves so they don't have to feel bad. Right? I'm like, you were Paris Hilton stylist. Like, talk to me when you were the stylist for like the local mayor's office or something, right? Like, no, you started from the top because you already lived in Calabasas. I get it. You were the poorest rich person, <laughs> poorest like millionaire. <laughs> The poorest rich person in LA when she started. And her father was a lawyer on one of the most infamous cases of all time. Yeah, the OJ trial. Yeah. Yeah, the OJ trial. So it's her proximity to fame was already established. And also her, well, her former stepfather was one of the most decorated Olympic athletes coming out of the United States. So it's like she already had proximity to people who were infamous in some respect. So her like quote unquote working hard and her putting the sex tape out only really blew up because surround yourself with successful people. Exactly. So she, she had, it was like the nepotism fame. Yeah. Right. Because like she did have sex with Ray J and then the Ray J tape really started to focus on her, but she, I think she had some focus on her cause she was dating Reggie Bush and like Reggie Bush was very, a very popular athlete. At the time he's a Heisman winner. She was almost like some of the first wags that were starting to become famous. What are wags? Uh, wives and girlfriends of athletes. Oh. So she kind of came up when like wags were starting to get covered on the blogs too. So she was Reggie Bush's girlfriend after she was Ray J's girlfriend. So then like her proximity to that, it's like the precursor to the Real Housewives thing was also why she got famous. But it's like the reason why the Real Housewives are famous is because they're already wealthy and have proximity to famous people, right? And so Kim Kardashian was part of that, but she just had a sex tape as well that kind of put it on the map. Like I said, she was a disadvantaged rich person. So like I <laughs> I worked myself up from the poorest rich person to the richest rich person. I worked my ass off. <laughs> to the point that Kylie is successful because of my ability to suck dick for her. I did this for the family. Like no you didn't. Your momager did. So my deep disdain for Kim Kardashian might slowly be morphing is 
sympathetic towards what we call it sounds a little Carly, Karl Marxy. I get it. Like I hate saying the word class. I hate this word oppression and all of that, but it it's like how disconnected can you be? Which also leads me to another Twitter thing that's going on where because gas prices are soaring and we're talking about our energy reliance on foreign countries and how we should be more energy uh, independent. And instead of talking about like tapping into our own stores of energy that like we have in Alaska, well, like we have in Texas, but instead of talking about like our own energy stores, we're like, well, if, if you can't afford gas, why don't you just get like an electric car? Like Teslas don't take gas. Even if everybody were to convert to an electric car, we don't have the infrastructure yet to support it outside of select areas of the country. Like these, these things all require construction, building, urban planning. And like the rare earth minerals required for an electric car. I mean, a battery. Isn't most of your electricity in the States made from fossil fuels? So. Yes, we are fossil fuel and um, in some very few parts of the country. You have wind energy, like parts of Texas, but like, yeah, it is fossil fuel dependent. So it's like, it's just a, an infrastructure problem that's just like, it's almost like a ever deteriorating wheel where it's like, well, we can't have this because we don't have that. And we need this to be changed in order for us to actually utilize non-fossil fuel sources, et cetera. It's hot potato accountability. Nobody wants to like, just say, hey, we need to fix this problem. And this is how we're going to strategize to fix the overall problem by starting here. Like, we as Americans, I mean, the American mentality is obviously I can't be the problem, right? Like, uh, surely I'm a good person. I can't be the problem. So this like complete lack of accountability as a society is deeply, deeply frustrating and has unearthed the very selfish, narcissistic, um, almost like solipsistic where Kim thinks like, I did it. So can everybody else. I'm like, do you know the world exists outside of like your perception and your experience? What's been frustrating me too about the electric car debate is that, um, Lilith, I hear something in the background. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm just eating Oreos. Sorry. I'll stop. Oh, (laughs) Oh, what's, what's, what's been frustrating to me about the electric car versus like gas prices debate is that we don't get that much oil from Russia. So the absolute inflation of prices seems to be somewhat artificial based on the fact that everyone is expecting gas to go up. And so they're taking this opportunity to charge more than perhaps is necessary. And to the point where I think one of the New York attorney generals was on Twitter saying, hey, I just want to remind the oil and gas companies that price gouging is illegal. (laughs) They should get sued. Whenever we have these world events that happen, they inflate the gas prices and then they start to slowly trickle down. So the question is always like, okay, if we're only getting maybe five to six percent of our oil from Russia in the first place and our immediate suppliers don't seem to be relying on Russian oil or anything like that either to supplement their populations, then why is gas pricing, why why are gas prices rising at the level that they are? Nobody wants to even focus on that, like the actual economics of it more so they want to be like, well, either the consumer has got to do something different and like you guys got to somehow afford electric cars. It's like when their solution to widespread pollution and carbon dioxide emissions is like, well, just recycle more. You know, they're putting it on the consumer. Another another thing that's not actually helping the environment because a lot of your recycling ends up in Chinese landfills. Mm-hmm. Another episode on that. Stay tuned. <laughs> another rant. Fuck. The, anyways. Um, no, going back to why um, prices are rising so highly and quickly is because of uh, supply chain issues across the board for everything, not just like petrol um, and, you know, just 
energy distribution. With COVID shutdowns, there was a lot of the supply chain was interrupted to degrees that are unprecedented from all sorts of levels. So the refineries were shut down, oil couldn't get in and out of the Middle East, and then you couldn't get them through certain passage points. So you had like the Suez Canal, which is a huge entry point. It's insane. All the more reason to encourage people to work from home and not commute because we don't have the ability to supply everyone with the gas that they want at a reasonable price. Because right now, someone even posted that gas was something like $6 an hour in their area and their local minimum wage is $7. Sorry, it's $7 an hour and it's $6 a gallon. Yeah, seven forty-two because they're like, it's going to cost me an hour's worth of wages to even fill up one gallon of gas. That's pretty insane, right? So you'd have to work almost... <laughs> your entire paycheck. Your entire paycheck would have to go to fueling your gas tank. And people don't want to fucking work because... <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I can't afford the gas to get to work, bitch, okay? Like, people literally have to choose between... And growing up, I've been in that situation and gas wasn't even $5 or $4. It wasn't even like $3. And my mom had to choose between eating and getting gas where we had to figure out like public transportation so we could have like a decent dinner with good protein. So like I can only imagine what life is like for people right now that do have children, single mothers that do have children. And that's going to tax our welfare system. First of all, taxes are going to go up because we need to fund that program. So where does it stop? And we all know the rich people aren't the ones paying taxes. It's all the middle class people because everybody else has an exemption and all sorts of things to get them out of paying taxes. That's another episode I would like to do is talking about how both the working class and the elite have convinced everyone that the middle class is the problem. Yep. And it's very, very scary because they, they don't understand like how much wealthier the top one to 2% is to the rest of the people. So they're like, well, we don't like the people that are making $300,000 a year. I'm like you understand that that's not even close to they're rich. They're not the wealthy, the rich, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, and so, so then the people who are, you know, making like maybe combined household income of like 100, 150,000, they're very, very taxed right now, even though to the people that are making barely above poverty line, that qualifies as the rich. But I'm like, no, 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 no. What you're going to do is end up shrinking the middle class by overtaxing the middle class and still expanding the super wealthy. Like you have to go after the super wealthy. But that's my, that's another rant for another show. I mean, and something that people need to understand about the US tax system is so you have a W 2, which is what employees pay taxes on. Like that's the form if you work for somebody and you're on a payroll, right? W-2 employees are the people that pay the bulk, the massive bulk of taxes in the US. So just working class Americans. When you think working class, you think like blue collar. No, that's everybody, a dentist, a lawyer that works for a firm. Everybody that has a job is paying W-2 and they're paying the bulk of taxes. Everybody outside of that, like billionaires and multimillionaires and Kim Kard- the Kim Kardashian-esque people, they're not the W-2 people. They're the W-9 like nine and like exemptions. They're the Schedule C people that write off everything and like wind up getting money back. They pay so little taxes, the IRS pays them money. Yeah, they're not paying taxes. Or they get collateral against their capital gains in the stock market. So they're so rich. They don't have debt. They have leverage. They're making money on their debt. So it's just like the system is filthy the way it looks. It's funny you bring that up. I, I remember trying to explain this to like my commie friends when I was in like, I think like second year university, they were talking about, you know, the elites like doctors, lawyers, engineers. And I tried to explain to them like, 
doctors, lawyers, and engineers are not the bourgeois. Like you do know that, right? Like, and I, I, and they provide a service, a valuable service to society. So yeah, like they were referring to like high income workers as like bourgeois. And I was like, I had to like get up on the board and like draw like a graph of how wealth inequality looks like. And I'm like, (laughs) see, see in the middle right here, that's like the high end of low. That's, that's where the doctors and lawyers and engineers, this peak right here, this, that's the bourgeois, okay? I can't believe, like, I had to explain to self and I say self-identified communists because these people clearly did not fucking read Marx. They think that, yeah, anyone richer than them is bourgeois. I get this on Twitter, too. People think because I'm a manager, they, th- they call me bourgeois. It's like, no, I still work for a paycheck, okay? <laughs> like, you know, I'm like a fucking middle manager, right? <laughs> Jeez, I'm not part of the 1%. I think that's the problem with people coming out of the humanities education system, any type of school where they're focusing on liberal arts and humanities and not having a fucking clue about how the world actually works. And that's, that's the problem when you only work in theory. And that's been my rant against like elite institutions that crank out these like woke Twitter social justice warriors who have all these bright ideas. I'm like, none of this shit's going to work because you have no idea the economics or business side of it whatsoever. Cause I know you didn't take not one of those classes. And if you did, you didn't take it seriously. Right. Or you haven't worked in that environment. So that's why they can have an opinion like, Oh, a lawyer is rich because they've never actually, or lawyer is bourgeois. A lawyer is bourgeois. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, all of these people work for a pay. And I had to explain to these commies, like, a bourgeois or a capitalist is when you make money off of other people's labor. If you make money off of your own labor, you're proletariat. Even if you make $500,000 a year as a surgeon, you're still a prol. Okay. So the, <laughs> the way I look at it is like, what side of the payroll are you on? Yeah. Like, do you have a payroll or are you on the payroll? Yeah. Right. And, and, and I don't even want to get into like the conversation of what this means for class and power dynamics and all of that. But really the, just the the gap is growing and it's becoming toxic and what side that the government has increasingly fall on, fallen on is supporting the payroll owners rather than the people on the payroll. And that's what I think causes problems. Well, here's my thought. I don't think it's a problem if you're talking about payroll owners, meaning like they're a business, they're providing services, especially small businesses. Those are important. Yeah. Those are important. And I'm really like tired of yeah the dominance of just these small sectors and them just using the government to browbeat and crush like small and middle-sized businesses or small and middle-sized not even just businesses but like ideas the problem is is like it's if you're going to have someone who's on who's a payroll creator who creates payroll they need to actually be adding tangible value to the society both in the product but also the way that they're um developing the communities there's another side of this where it's like pay they have payroll but they're like the leech economy which is like they make everything around everyone actively worse so i I think the only thing i want to add to that is the size right when you have a business like a limited liability not even limited liability like the size of the business vice like a corporation and i want to say um fact check required on this it's citizen united right that allowed for super PACs to exist but really had a bigger effect it allowed corporations to act as people so now you have a massive mega low, like mega sized entity acting as if though it's a small local coffee shop. So when you have the like the likes of like a multinational corporation like McDonald's, right, getting the same tax benefits as the small little shop down the corner that sells like tchotchkes, but they're producing at a rate that like, y- you know, the size, the size of like this entity that, you know, they're manufacturing in like China for next to nothing. Versus a small business where their employees are here and they have to pay them wages that are proportionate 
two here. Yeah. Well, well, one of those two things is one of them has the ability to literally go up and like influence Congress. The other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've really lost sight of what, it, and, and I'm saying this as a capitalist, like capitalism as it's playing out today in the US and the Western world and the larger capitalist scheme is no longer the capitalism that we knew, but really it's corporate welfare where you have corporations that are acting like, you know, uh, that have the ability to go knock on senators and congressmen's doors and be like, hey, give you a ton of money, just kind of support this initiative, this initiative, this initiative, and create an environment that's friendlier to them to take advantage and wedge small businesses out that, you know, contribute to the society, like you were saying, Ro. Oh my God, they're just not hard working enough. They need to get up their ass and work. <laughs> give more blowjobs, create a bigger blowjob economy. <laughs> Blowjob economy. Oh my god, get injections into your ass. Like, that way you can work your ass off more. Ass, lips, and hips. Um, Yeah, Kim, we remember what you look like, by the way. Those pictures still exist. I saw a video. It was like a Fall Out Boy music video. I, when I was in high school, I used to listen to Fall Out Boy. I know, cringe. Anyways. I chime in. No, wait, that's... that's <laughs> oh, no, that's Panic mind. at the Disco. Okay, I'm gonna, like, swoop my bang out of the way and tell you that's Panic at the Disco. <laughs> <laughs> Such a millennial comment right there. Yeah. But no, there was, a, there was a video that was um yeah a follow-up boy music video and kim kardashian was in it and i was like wait what like she was in a follow-up boy video i didn't know she was like nobody knew who she was at the at the time so yeah and she looked like a normal person back then now her when she's not posing her i saw this tweet today that was like when kim kardashian is not posing her body looks so awkward and it's like well it's like she's gotten so much plastic surgery it's like it's like girl like i hate her so much like i already had a deep disdain for like everything she stood for and what she's done to like body dysmorphia and creating mental illness and like young women and like exacerbating what it means to have like a social media brand and all of that and just horrible like her entire contribution to society is just as bad as like a corporate footprint she is a human version of a bad corporation yeah leech economy is basically kim kardashian personified she is a leech economy <laughs> like what does she add to our lives in any particular way like we have to hear kanye rants now every other day honestly that's hilarious to me i don't know i find, I find the kanye drama hilarious to watch at least kanye had talent okay graduation hello uh, i mean he's like a psycho and abuser so even if i don't like i had a tweet that was like why is everyone saying oh i don't like him but the way kanye is treating her is bad i'm always the person to take the side of the woman even if i don't like her as a person at all in any conflict between man and woman i always take the woman's side on principle even if she is wrong here at female dating strategy we support women's rights but more importantly women's wrongs yeah we support women's wrongs too (laughs) wow what a sound bite i I don't want to say kim deserves it but like my sympathy gauge for her kind of on the lower side yeah it's difficult because we were even talking about like how to cover kim versus kanye and female dating strategy if we broach the story because of the fact that like celebrities exist in a different world than the average person right Mm -hmm. and she she can entertain all these antics and like poke and prod and like troll Kanye on Twitter and on, or like on Twitter, on TikTok, et cetera, because like she's protected by her wealth. A working class woman doing the same thing would more than likely end up dead. And someone like Kanye is probably the type of person if he were working class and didn't have people literally stopping him would be the type that would attack or murder his ex-wife and her current boyfriend. Like stranger things have happened. Right. And it's currently he has so many signs of a guy that's abusive, but it's harder to like see that dynamic going on because you know, behind the scenes, Kim is like stoking the fires because all this is good for her brand. Every time like Kanye mentions her name, starts shit on the internet, like Kim gets attention. So she, she exists in a world where any type of attention is a premium. So 
this would get a normal girl murdered, you know, using the media and all this kind of stuff to just like poke it. Uh, Kanye, like I know Chris is rumored to have some kind of deal worked out with Harvey from TMZ, etc. Like that's why they always have these good PR stories come out at like convenient times. And why all of their, why all of their photos in the paparazzi, they literally pay their own paparazzi to take like more flattering photos of them. Exactly. So they have a whole machine behind them to go against someone like Kanye, but also keep them in the news because that's their entire brand. If people stop talking about them, they don't have any talent to rely on for people to keep uh, paying attention to them. So all they have is their drama as the brand. On one hand, it's like, I feel if she was another person, I would feel really, really sorry for her. But on the other hand, I'm like, I know that you, you love, you need this. You love this. You do this. You're creating this on purpose because that's part of your brand. You're able to monetize crazy dudes like, like Courtney and um, what's the other one? Chloe, that's all they do is like their entire brand is I get treated like shit by men. But now she made it though. She made it. She's with um one of the two skinny heroin chic guys. <sighs> Travis Sparker, yeah. With Travis but like all they do is make out on social media all the time because again, once again, the attention is the point, right? Like they're not just gonna have a relationship like everybody else. They're just you know, she's gonna take a million pictures of them and call the paparazzi conveniently of them like making out and sucking face at a water fountain or something like that. Right. So that that's kind of the problem with them and using them as any type of example either way is because they exist in an ecosystem that the average person is nowhere, nowhere near has that kind of privilege. So I would say like conceptually what's happening to Kim, absolutely not fair. Like the persona of Kanye does very much so exist on all scales. So at the scale of like the average person, it's dangerous what he's doing. Um, It should be criminal what he's doing. But because it's Kim, it's like, well, you got enough money. Attention got you here. So. And we know she's stoking it on purpose. That's the thing. It's, It's hard to look at her as a victim when I'm like, all of you guys constantly have this drama on purpose because you're going to put it on your show. You know, she, she has just abundance of resources on her side. There's just a lot going on. And I think this episode kind of summarizes the energy of reality right now. We're all confused. We're not wearing masks, but like COVID is still a thing. Gas is like really expensive. We're not working from home, but we are working from home. There might be a nuclear war. So like, hey guys. I think we have a similar conditions as what led up to the French Revolution. And so... I hope. The guillotines? <laughs> what I'm scared about, though, is the men are too preoccupied with internet porn. <laughs> Honestly, God, I think it's become the opiate of the masses. And the men aren't pissed enough because they're living at home with their parents or they're, they're supplementing their frustration of not having a partner with internet porn. This is why I think men are just generally going to be useless for the revolution in general. If we have a revolution, because the revolution, it sounds like you're already, you're onto something. (laughs) I'm already planning something. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I just find that like, yeah, I, I, with the problem with the men now is instead of focusing their anger on the aristocracy as they did, you know, prior to the French revolution, what we have now is a bunch of men who blame all of the problems of society on feminism or on women instead of things like capitalism or wealth and equality and so on. In fact, a lot of guys, exactly the guys who are the most disaffected and harmed by capitalism weirdly seem to be the most pro-capitalist. Like they all see themselves as a future. They all want to be Elon Musk. They all want to be temporarily embarrassed millionaires. <laughs> yeah. That's the American ethos is yeah. They see themselves as temporarily, em- temporarily embarrassed millionaires, billionaires, Aspiring trillionaires, Elon Musk. Yeah, they 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 want to be like the rich, right? So they can't muster the will, I guess, to fight the the rich, right? Instead, they just shit on other marginalized groups like women. So yeah, I think that if we have a revolution, it's going to be 
women who do this? I'm starting to lean that way too, because you're already seeing them create boogeymen's out of feminism. Like all these guys that are on the internet constantly crying about child support cases. And I'm like, you will neither have a girlfriend nor will you ever make enough money to be like a target for women who are looking for a child support check. (laughs) But they're all like, they're all placing themselves in that position. No, but they're all thinking, oh, what if one day I become rich? I don't want to get screwed over by, you know, some gold digger kind of thing, even though they have like zero dollars in the bank account or like negative dollars in the bank account, right? Poor men identify more closely with the rich than they do with poor women. And that's why I think that women are going to have to be the backbone of the revolution. So there's that. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Let's, let's. You're like, wait, wait, wait what revolution <laughs> i didn't i didn't sign up for a revolution revolutions are very icky just so you know post-revolution reality is weird i know revolutions are very scary and icky and they most they actually mostly don't work out i'll say americans generally very very optimistic about revolutions because it worked out for you guys winning yeah. <laughs> we had so many things on our side too so it's like wait a second we're gonna do a revolution do we have like this planned out like what are we going to do post-revolution? So, Oh, you want to know the funny thing? Is actually the American Revolution led to the French Revolution because France had like spent a bunch of money on supporting the Americans against the British and then they had no money after that. And that's when the poor people in France were like, hey, what the fuck? You did what? Was my birthday money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Historical analysis with the little... <laughs> Like, you know, when you like get birthday money, I don't know, being poor and growing up, like I'd get birthday money and my mom's like, oh, let me hold it for you. Let me hold it for you. And like, and then she spends it. (laughs) Mom, can I get my birthday money? She's like, what birthday money? What? What? Oh, oh, that's sad. (laughs) And then I grew up and realized why, but whatever. What I'm worried about too is because we don't have an, we don't have a singular focus of our ire, right? Because we don't have a monarchy. We have democracy. So that still gives us the illusion of participation and control, even though like we were saying it's increasingly becoming diluted by these like massive corporate interests and massive corporate welfare. And it's not like we can just storm like Elon Musk's house, okay? Like he probably has like a whole security system. Which house? He probably has an island like manned by AI. It's like ex machina over there. No. It's not like storming the Bastille, right? It's You can't just like storm a billionaire's house, okay? I'm sure they have security. They'll probably sick their dogs on you. They probably have like laser beams and shit. You know, so it's a lot harder for like normies to (laughs) storm some millionaire billionaire's house. It's like the, you know, like the purge movies, they have that kind of security system. (laughs) So like even on top of that, like, okay, and this is a wild take, right? Even if we did get mad at the billionaires, right? Like the billionaires are rich because they're, they're invested in something that's working towards things that we use on a day-to-day basis. Like Jeff Bezos, he's a billionaire because of Amazon. We all need Amazon. So he's figured out a way to capitalize off of our basis needs that like we cannot give up. So even if we were to like upend the rich, like we'll be left, we lose out. It would be very costly to us. Yeah. I think it's like a complex system right now that's that's propping them up as well. Because yeah, it's not necessarily that Amazon like the existence of Amazon is the problem. It's like them not passing enough enough of the wealth back down to the people who are in their warehouses or like the working class. Well, it's the ability to evade taxes. Yeah. Undercutting other businesses on their platform, which I think they were brought before in Congress and Jeff Bezos more or less didn't tell the truth is what people speculate about. They were basically using their um, algorithm to promote the Amazon basics products. And then once they found they were cutting out smaller businesses from the suppliers, so they would see a product that did well and then they would go to the supplier and then make them exclusively 
make Amazon basics. And then that's how they would get rid of competition. So something like that, like done over and over again, has a massive effect on the market. But like, what do you do when Jeff Bezos says like, no, we're not doing that in front of Congress and then nothing happens. It's a wink. Yeah. He's not doing it wink, right? <laughs> so that's where I'm saying it's difficult because like, well, then how do you address that? Do you, do we all fly to China and like rip up an Amazon warehouse? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what we do. Uh, unfortunately, I think we need to get to a point where people suffer a lot more. Like things are shitty now. I think they need to get a lot fucking worse before anything happens before people rise up and like demand change. But what would, what would change look like? Right. And I think we've gotten to a point where we, the very thing we want to change is the giant aspect of like what we're attached to. Like once you change that, I I don't even know how else to put it. Like it's, it's a quantum entanglement of everything and you can't get rid of one without getting rid of everything. And if like, if the billionaires lose, we lose way more than the billionaires lose because they still have their billions to fall back on and the money that they've made on investing their, like the, what they leveraged. And now they've earned like interest on that. And it, it's like exponential interest that they've invested. So they're good. But what do we do? They're buying fucking apocalypse properties in New Zealand. Okay. We need to fuck shit up. Yeah. Let's do, let's do an episode where we do a strategy on like, a re- quote revolution strategy like if we were to remake society where the fuck would we start <laughs> or like where we to make our to make our capitalist democracy our capitalist democratic republic work better <laughs> so i'm not called like a rhino or whatever i'm not pro revolution i'm i'm very much so a skeptic but what i will admit is like things aren't okay and things need to change is a revolution the answer i don't know bro like let's call it reform <laughs> let's call it reform that's a nicer word <laughs> Potato, potato. <laughs> so you're a reformist. I'm a revolutionist. Let's debate. You know the funny thing? A lot of the um, the commies and socialists on Twitter, for example, they call me a... Um, they don't think I'm like revolutionary enough. They think I'm... Oh, they, you're reformist. What you're advocating for are just mere reforms as if that's not valuable. Even though like everything... Just about everything we've had up until now, except for the actual French Revolution, has been mostly reforms. Women getting into the workforce, getting paid the same as men, criminalizing sexual harassment and stuff like that. All of those were reforms, technically not revolutions, right? And yet they've done incredible things for women, right? So, I, I mean, I don't turn up my nose at reforms, but I think we... I, I think we at least need to have one group that demands a revolution in order for the reforms to happen, right? Like, you have to have one side that's, like, the scary people. The heavy. Yeah, like, like, like what Ro said about, like, oh, you know, you had to have, uh, what was it? Like, you had to have Malcolm X so that you could have Martin Luther King, right? You have to have, like, uh, what's that old African proverb? I don't remember which country, but, um, walk softly but carry a big stick. It's like, you gotta have, like, the peacemaker, but also the enforcer. A velvet glove with an iron fist. Yeah, that's another one. And so, like, I'm all for reform. Things that you need to change. Um, I guess this is also, like, the uh, refugee in me that's like, hey, guys, I escaped conflict. It really sucks when we're all killing each other. Yeah. And Americans have this, like, fantasy view of what the revolution was like. And it's like, well, there was a whole rebuilding phase, right? Even after the Civil War, you had the Reconstruction era. And it's not a quick and easy thing. And I'm just really hesitant to fall into conflict and fulfill these like militia, you know, sexual fantasies 
that these rednecks and commies have. And leftists. Don't, don't, it's them to the anarchists. Yeah, yeah, the communists. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah the anarchists. I was at the anarchists as well. Like, cause they've been big in like Oregon, Portland, especially like. Oh, the, their failed Chaz attempt. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> the right and the libertarian left are shaking hands on this one. <laughs> no, for me, I, I think the threat of violence or the threat of revolution is enough to get the elites in check. For example, the whole um, post uh, World War II era where they were like, oh, you know, we should invest in our own country so that we don't turn communist, that kind of thing, right? So I think it's the the threat of revolution or the threat of you know, communist overthrow is almost more powerful than the actual revolution, right? And so that's one way to get the elites to do the right thing, I guess, is to make them afraid of getting guillotined. I kind of saw some of that with Bernie when he started to really attack certain provisions of Amazon. Like he had that Bezos Act, and then that's when Amazon announced they were going to raise their floor wage for Amazon employees. But the problem is, is like, they're two steps ahead all of the time, right? Like they know how to make the PR crafted response, like, oh, we're fine going to give people a $15 an hour wage, but like people were asking for $15 an hour wages 10 years ago. And now the equivalent would be like 20, right? So it's, it's really tough because part of the problem is even if they start to concede points, they do it in such a way that still always consolidates their power. So the question is like, how do you attack the power structure itself and not just like fall for the lip? Up the ante. You have to be more, Bernie is too fucking soft, honestly. For what I heard, like I I heard up the, I thought you were going to say up the ass, but okay. Up the ante. I hear you. Okay. Up the ante. Yeah. We need to double down. That's what, that's actually my go-to strategy. Oh, is the current strategy not working? Let's do it twice as much. (laughs) So let's do our strategy then. Let's do like a wrap up strategy. So, okay. So we're we're all sick of the rich and we're all sick of their platitudes about why everybody else is suffering. If they sing a song one more time during a fucking world crisis, remember um, when 9-11 happened and like Black Eyed Peas and Fergie, they were like, whatever the love, what was it? Oh, where's the love? Yeah. Where's the love? And then now it was like, where's Ja? What is Ja Rule thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. if they come together and sing at me one more fucking time when we're on the verge of, like, global breakdown, I'm going to lose it. My strategy, violent rad femme dictatorship. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, can't say I trust 100% of the women like that, but... Um, or at least the threat of a violent rad. We got to resist <laughs> Kim Kardashianomics. You know what? Yeah, scare them into change. Kardashianomics are uh, our problem. Send the Kardashians to the gulags. Scalp Jeff Bezos. Whatever is left. Get your ass up and work. Get your ass up and work. At least he worked. Like, I'll I'll give it to him. He built something out of... He built a useful service. And this is where I say it's like, I guess this will be part of my strategy. So creating a useful service that benefits society that people need and you capitalize that is great. What happens is, is that that's, that's not good enough for them. They have to actively crush and ruin every other type of competitor because they're trying to push any ever more earnings per share. And so they go from being better than everyone else to actively like kicking the chair out from other to making everything worse to making everything else around them worse so that they're comparatively better. And then I start to think, think of them as a leash because they're, they have the resources to continuously thwart their competitors. But the problem is, is like, obviously we as the consumers lose out when there's not enough competition against Amazon. And this is where, you know, our government, this is where it gets sticky because the government's supposed to like prevent monopolies. But like we said, Jeff Bezos can just go in front of Congress and be like, no, I'm not doing that. And they're not going to say shit, apparently. I think the strategy has to be that we need to get stronger in um, 
starting to tax or cripple or fine or make it somehow legally liable for companies. Or sabotage. Sabotage. Like if they start to be a, quote, a sabotage capitalist company where they're not increasing their share because they're making a better product, they're doing it because they're crippling small or medium-sized businesses. And I feel like that's the problem. That's that's a good point. My strategy, I guess, is voting. I genuinely believe like apathy, voter apathy is also contributing to this where you have the same circle of people that rely on voter apathy to get in. And it's the same cast and characters that keep showing up to Congress, keep doing their own bit. I mean, there's some people that have been in Congress since like before you were born. So go go read what they're about. Hold them accountable. Call them. Your congressman, congresswoman is the most accessible person ever. Hold them accountable. Um, air them out, like tag them on Twitter. I mean, you guys tweet beef about the dumbest things, like tweet beef about the reality of the circumstances and ask them, what are they doing? How are they contributing to this? What are they doing for your district? And again, I'm talking primarily to the US, but like we do have a vote. A lot of people don't vote. Voter turnout is abysmally low. If you don't vote, don't, I don't want to say don't complain, but one of the things you can do is vote. And if fuck it, like run for something. If worse comes to worse, just run for something too, even if it is at the local level or the state level, but Get together with five of your friends and take over the local school board. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to take myself to task because all my tweet beefs are calling guys ugly and weird. And I'm going to start tweeting at Congress people. <laughs> yeah. Start calling them ugly and weird. I'm calling him ugly and weird. <laughs> I'm going to use my powers for good and not just to crush men. <laughs> men and men adjacent like they're shitty like men kim has given so many women body dysmorphia she's man adjacent right now yeah she's an honorary scrout (laughs) (laughs) there you go and we birthed an honorary scrout out of this fps episode new title honorary scrout a woman who's so anti-woman or so shitty towards woman She's an honorary scrote. Yeah. I have a coworker who's an honorary scrote, but more on her later. I mean, she's just, she's just to me like an extreme pick me in every single conceivable way. That's, but that's her brand being a pick me. You think so? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's nothing. She doesn't appeal to anybody. She just says dumb shit. But like I said, she's like real housewives. Like people just watch for the drama. Right. So she's just like, she just came up in that whole era where that started to be a thing and then shot to the front of the pack. Really? Like <laughs> with she beat them with a sex tape. Wow, way to go above and beyond. Yeah, I know. Um, so she, you know, she capitalized off the like entertainment media of like all of us enjoying drama, and then and then like she got crossover appeal versus some of the other Real Housewives because she dates athletes. So then you had all the NBA fans like come in and the NFL fans come in, right? Because like they love to drag women too. And then she got married for like ninety days and tried to convince us all like it was the most important thing in her life. And now she's on a rapper beef. So now she's always on like media takeout or um, shade room, right? Because like now she dates rappers. So it's like she really was able to capitalize off that like wave of social media influencers and like real when people started to take an interest in drama between athletes and, and rappers and wags on like all the blogs and stuff. So she, you know, she's the most successful person in that genre. So um, yeah, so that's the show. Check us out on Twitter at female political and our Facebook page, check our show notes for a link to the Facebook page and our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash female political strategy. Talk to y'all next week. 